love that song. Hey, everybody, welcome. You're on the Mark Sports Talk with your host, Mark, with a C right here. And you have found us. This is show number 150 in 150 consecutive weeks. How about that? Yeah. Not bad. Uh, hey, great. Pretty good. Truly amazing. 150. What a life we have to be here for 150 consecutive weeks. <laughs> But we're here, and we're here on Pi Day. Yep. <laughs> anybody, right. know the, anybody know that the the first ten digits digits of Pi? I know three point one four one five nine. After that, I lose. Oh, it. I anybody know more than that? Twenty two over seven. I know. Twenty two divided by seven. <laughs> Whatever that okay. rounds out. Well, welcome to Pi Day and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> a very special addition to us. It's, we, it's Tuesday. We usually here on Thursday, but we want to do something special because of the uh, the one hundred and fifty number, and of course I won't be here on Thursday. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be <laughs> far far away in Houston, Texas. May I hope I'll come back with a Texan accent. And uh, uh, my my son said you do this you do this show live in Houston, Houston. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. Um, so, what's that? Gerald is muted. He had his hand up, but he's muted. He's muted. Okay. Uh, of course, next week we'll be back to our Thursday regular time slot. And uh, I know I, I gave everyone... Gerald, do you want to say something before we continue? J Jeff Mann is trying to get in, Mark. He's waiting for you to admit him. I don't have him on my list. I don't have him on waiting. All right, I'll have to call him. Just okay. Make sure he, he, he logs on. Look for the Tuesday. Yes. Special oh, Tuesday. Yes. The only one that can be used today. Oh, that's um, nice. get him. I gave you guys a, a little assignment, something a little special. I don't know if you want to do it or not. Maybe some of you have it. Some of you don't have it. Uh, of course, the two choices were who is or who was your uh, uh, all-time favorite athlete and why he's your favorite athlete. You want to keep it short, of course. Uh, or, 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 and. could be both. Uh, what was the most exciting sports feat, F-E-A-T, that you ever witnessed? And some of you went to some really special games and uh, can report on that. I know I have one. And and Larry, Larry um, S. has a, a special story. He wanted to get this story early in our show. It's one of the two stories that he has today. So why don't we start with you, Larry? And and this is a story on Dr. J. Yes, it is. All right, so why don't you go? So my trivia to the 150th consecutive week of On the Mark Sports Talk is entitled The Posterized Dr. J. Posterized is North American slang for a basketball dunk shot that is spectacular and athletic enough to warrant reproduction in a printed poster. Julius Irving's high-flying style of play inspired the turn. Incidentally, the turn posterize also has made it its way into the business writing. Here are two of Dr. J's posterize best. First, Dr. J made a shot that I have never seen before or since. He jumped from the key to the basket and dunked it. <laughs> and that energized Mo Cheeks and the other 76ers going forward. I saw that only once on TV. 
decade, the 76ers often had four of its players on the court move to one side and let Dr. J go one-on-one. The usual result was Dr. J scored with some outrageous dunk move. I saw that many times on TV and in person. That completes my tribute to the 150th consecutive mm-hmm. week of On The Mark Sports Tour. Dr. J, what, a, what an yeah. athlete he was. You know, they named a street after him. I'm trying to think of the town in that. Freeport, wasn't it? It, not, it? Was it Freeport or right around Freeport? Roosevelt? 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 I, think it was in Ro- I think it was in Roosevelt. <coughs> there's, a, there's a street named Doc, Dr. Julius Irving Boulevard, Way Street, Avenue. I, I, I wrote on it the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thanks for that. Uh, I, I know some people are still waiting to get on. I don't know what the issue is <coughs> on this special uh, link for today. So why don't we start with some of the uh, stories that you people prepared, if you if you have a story, about a favorite all-time athlete or maybe <clears throat> a favorite um, event, uh, feat, that you witnessed live. So anybody want to go first? Um, Milton, why don't you go first? All right. Well, starting from 1951, I'll make it quick. My favorite athlete was Mickey Mantle. I followed him when he first came up and had that great spring. And um, no matter where I was, and if I wasn't watching the game at the moment, but I knew he was going to get up to bat, I would always go back and make sure I saw him. He just was terrific, Um, everything about him. But I'm going to go back on to the favorite story I have was July 9th, the favorite event, July 9th, 1969, 59,000 people at Shea Stadium on a Wednesday night, standing room only, the biggest sellout crowd at Shea. And I witnessed that Tom Seaver game where the stadium was shaking. We had, I only had standing room seats, but that was the great game. I think the greatest game he said he ever pitched and said that when he pitches a no hitter in the future, if he did, he would know he didn't have his best stuff. The best stuff he ever had was that night, which I could not believe what I witnessed. You know, it was just uh, a great season and I knew the Mets and he were for real that time. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I just wanted to say. Mantle was my favorite player. Can be quiet. My favorite event. Thank you, thank you. Again, we have some sounds in the background. Please, please, please. Who would like to go second? Fred, I see you. Yeah. My favorite event goes back to my high school days, March nineteenth, nineteen sixty-five, Erasmus Hall High School versus Dewitt Clinton for the city championship. Erasmus <laughs> comes into the game twenty-one and zero. And defeats Dewitt Clinton 85-80 to win the, to win the PSAL championship. Nothing like a feeling of school that you go to being being a champion. And it was just a, a great feeling back then. 85-80, the score was led by George Thompson, 22 points, 20 rebounds, who later went on to have a great career at Marquette. And as Marquette said when at, upon his passing, the University of in, in last June. If there was a Mount Rushmore of Marquette basketball, he would be he would be definitely on it, along with Al McGuire and some others. But just a great – I still can remember that experience in that gym when we beat Clinton, who had Tiny Archibald in the player of the year, 
in city luther green later had a very good career at liu played for the nets uh-huh. and it's just you know great feeling when, when it's when emotional when you know people on the team and, and to win a championship and my, my favorite players best back there basketball was king so i always followed guys who came from brooklyn basketball obviously billy cunningham also went to rasmus and won the city championship four years before my time Always like George Thompson, Roger Brown, Connie Hawkins, Jim McMillan, all guys I saw in high school. Best best sports time of my life back in high school. They mm. didn't play the championship game in the garden those years? In 61, they did. But for a few years, they didn't. That that game was played in the Erasmus Hall gym. And the reason I was able to go is because they gave priority to seniors. I was a sophomore because I was very good friends with a a member of the a member of the team, and he was able to sneak me a couple of tickets. Mm. Is that school still, is that school still working, operational? Will they change their name? No, it's it's, I think it's still called Erasmus, but it's one of these things. with like three or four schools within it. Um, and as an aside, yeah. the next year, the two our two teams played Clinton and Erasmus played in for the city championship. That time, they played a neutral site at Francis Lewis High School. I kept wondering, where the hell am I? And not knowing him from Brooklyn. And the tiny Archibald, we were tied 45-45. We're going to the fourth quarter. He destroyed us in the fourth quarter. They won that year, 72-58. to oh. Great, great times, high school basketball. Great, great, great memory. Okay, who wants to go great next? Members. Anybody but want yes, to go sir. next? All right, uh, uh, Ron? Well, my favorite player is obviously the logo, which I had the pleasure to meet. There was nobody better than Jerry West to me growing up. He's he's what made me become a Laker fan. So that's my favorite player of, of all time in any sport. The event, you have to go back to April 1999, uh, early April, probably the first or second. My friend says, you know what? Uh, I can't make the last game of the Rangers season. So... He gave me the two, I bought the two tickets from him for the last game, two game of the season. Three days later, Gretzky announced his retirement. And so I happened to be at Wayne Gretzky's uh, last game ever as a player, which was, wow. I went with my daughter and it was just amazing the way the crap, we lost in overtime, but it was funny. We lost to the Penguins. Three, I think it was three to two in overtime, and Yaga scored the game-winning goal in overtime. So in a way, it was like a passing of the torch, sort of. Exactly. So you know, think of Wayne Gretzky as the greatest of all time, right? Obviously, right. No, so what, happened? what happened? I don't. Anybody else think he's not the greatest of all time? I think Bobby Orr was the greatest of all time. Oh, oh okay. different kind of player. Yeah. Player, right? No, he yeah. changed the sport, though. He did. Yeah, he, did. he yeah. revolutionized yeah. hockey. That's a good point, yeah. though. Okay. But then again, yeah. when, if Ovechkin breaks his record, are we going to ever think of uh, Ovechkin as the greatest hockey player of all time? No. <laughs> well, no. no. Unless we live in Russia, right? I think it was the guy with the most goals. Uh, hey, you know, Maybe Putin will. Whatever Wayne Gretzky said is true for any sport. Never know where the always know where the ball is going, not where it right. That was his line, not where it's been exactly. Right. That was Willie Mays. Right. All right, who wants to good start? Who wants to go next? Anybody? Uh, uh, Gerald. Today I'm going to report on Ted Williams, a great man off the field, 
and of course, a great baseball player on the field. Growing up in Brooklyn in the 1950s, my childhood Dodger heroes were Duke Snyder and Sandy Koufax. However, my overall hero was Ted Williams because of his greatness on and off the field. Ted had numerous baseball awards and accomplishments. However, today I'm going to briefly discuss his great accomplishments off the field as a humanitarian, philanthropist, and American war hero. The Jimmy Fund was started in 1948 to help raise money for the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. The latter treats adults and pediatric patients who, who have contracted cancer. Ted fully supported the Jimmy Fund and raised millions of dollars. He even took his campaigns to churches, synagogues, malls, and whatever venues worked to, uh, to help raise funds. He also made numerous visits to stricken kids. Ted met one-on-one -on -one with young cancer patients. Ted's only caveat was that such visits be done without media fanfare or the visits would stop. Ted would call retired ball players and ask them to send them a check for the Jimmy Fund. They would say, I'm all tapped out. He would say, just send me a check. He would get the, the name of the, the bank and account number off of the check and deposit $1,000 into their accounts, which I thought was kind of amazing. Just like Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ted was a reluctant aviator in the U.S. Navy and Marines. He was very interested in not losing any time regarding his baseball career. And initially, he didn't want to be in the military during World War II or the Korean War. Captain Williams flew 39 missions over what is now North Korea. On about half the missions, he was the wingman for John Glenn. John Glenn said that Ted was a great pilot. Some of Ted's military awards included three air medals for aerial flight operations, Navy unit commendation, Presidential Medal of Freedom, and, and the National Defense Medal. One of, the, one of the things I wanted to mention before I conclude is that on uh, several missions over North Korea, Ted's plane was on fire. He caught enemy fire. And instead of parachuting out of the plane, he was afraid that he would hurt his legs and ruin his career. So he, 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 one, one of the landings was a belly landing. With, 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 without the landing gear down, he got out of the plane, ran away from the plane, and the plane shortly thereafter blew up. Only Ted oh. Williams would, would, would take a chance like that. I thought that was kind of amazing. In Ted's Hall of Fame induction speech in 1996, he gave Negro League players cause, hold on, players cause a boost. Now, what I'm about to say, they did not want him to include in his speech, but he did it anyway. Ted Williams does whatever he wants, as you know. He said, quote, I hope that someday the names of Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson in some way could be added as a symbol of the great Negro players who are not here only because they were not given the chance. Close quote. And that concludes my report on Ted Williams 
off the field accomplishments. I know a lot about his on the field accomplishments and I could talk to you for an hour about that, but I thought it'd be kind of unique to highlight his off the field accomplishments. Yeah. Cheryl and I were talking earlier today and, and I brought something up that I read during the week. Uh, and you, th you guys think about this too. If you, if you were starting a team and everybody in the world was alive, <laughs> um, would you pick Ted Williams or Stan Musial? Oh boy, it's Ted Williams. Tough one. I would you pick know, Ted uh, If you look at Ted Stan's, Stan's statistics yeah. and what Stan did, uh, yeah, I would think Ted had a better career. He missed all those all those years. I um, mean, Stan was in the um, was in the uh, service also, but yes, not for five was. years. Not for five years. I think he did two years. But I thought that was interesting. They had a whole, you know, comparing both players' careers. But uh, did, something to think about. Did uh, yeah. Ted Williams manage a number of years? Yes. Yeah. Washington, Washington senators. senators, I think, right? Senators and I think the, new, the new Washington Senators. Right. Which well, the second, second Washington Senator. Right. And, and he wasn't a good manager because he thought everybody should be as good as him. And he really didn't teach very well from what I understand. I don't know. But, you know, m most of the people on the screen are older than me. I saw him play. So I assume almost everybody yeah. Saw, yeah. actually saw too. him play, uh, I guess, late in his career. Uh, yeah. A few people who are younger. I don't know if you ever saw him. Play. Roger, did you ever see him play? I, I didn't, but my dad did and went yeah. with my uncle to see him play uh, Yankee Stadium whenever the Yankees were playing the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he always brought up the 1949 uh, last game of the season kind of thing where, you know, Rizzuto hits a ball down the line in the first inning and Williams mm -hmm. didn't play it well because he wasn't a great fielder. He ends mm -hmm. up on third base. Tommy Hendrick then, you know, dribbles, uh, hits a slow roller and it's one to nothing until the seventh inning kind of thing. You know, this was for the pennant, that kind of stuff. My dad was always telling me stories about yeah. that. Yeah, Williams was a phenomenal hitter. And yeah. all that that rumor always about trading DiMaggio for Williams kind of business, you know, yeah. it never yeah. happened. So Crazy. Yeah. I just heard a lot of stories. Yeah, I wish I had seen him play. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and I, say, I think he's one of the first players that they actually put a shift on. Lou Boudreau, who didn't originate the shift, but copied it, he put the shift on, and shortly thereafter, did they outlaw the shift, guys? They did not. No, I don't think it was ever yeah. outlawed. He just hit over the shift. That's right. Yeah, That's yeah right. but it wasn't. It wasn't or into the part. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, you know, in, in later years, after, you know, he did his managing and he was released as a manager, he got older and older and older. And eventually we saw him at the All-Star game. He made that that trip around the entire field in the golf cart because I guess he couldn't walk anymore. Had a bad heart, yeah. And then it, it was and a then Fenway Park, head, yeah. In, and then in my head, I'm, re I'm remembering like when he passed, there was a battle for his body. Yeah, yeah. Some, something about freeze, about freezing his body or something. It's a cryo lab in California. Crazy family did that. Crazy he, family. He, he, want, he, wanted his, he, he wanted to be cremated and have his ashes sprinkled over the Florida Keys, but his family got involved with the, with, with the, the head thing and uh, never, it never happened. Poor, mm -hmm. poor guy dies and he can't get buried. Didn't, didn't he also supposedly write a book that's the, like the definitive book about hitting? He did. He did. The, the I have it somewhere or something in the house. Like 72, 
there's Fred, there are 72 hitting zones that he identified <laughs> around the plate. Really? Unbelievable. Yeah. If I can find a, it, I'll, I'll show you guys. Yeah, it's very scientific <laughs> about hitting, for sure. Yeah, but he also had 15-15 vision on both eyes. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, his vision yes. is better than 20-20. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. And he yeah, never but, swung yeah. at a bad pitch, yeah. right? I, I no, went to we a ever Go ahead. Sure. I went to a meeting uh, with Warren Buffett, and he was talking about Ted Williams' book, uh, about hitting and he was talking about doing deals and he was talking about how you do a deal that uh, you know comes down the middle but those on the uh, outside corners you stay away from <laughs> and the ball's being thrown 95 miles per hour <laughs> very good uh, Larry I, I want to tell you about the greatest play ever made I was uh, 10 years old and we used to have stickball in the street there was four on a side and it never failed that I was always the eighth person picked. So it was very difficult. If there were nine people, I was left out. But here I was, I was in the game. And here comes a hitter up. We're ahead two to one. And there is a line drive that was hit that was going to go a mile and a half if I hadn't jumped up and with two hands kept that ball. Oh, wow. That was the greatest play ever made. <laughs> there you go, Larry. Nice. And, you, and you remember that like it was yesterday. Like yesterday. One, absolutely. That's right. okay. I Anybody remember have... stuff like that, too. Yeah, yeah me too. Story? All right, Dave, you want a story? Yeah, you may have probably saw this in my email response, which I shouldn't have sent to Mark. But I first started going to baseball games in 1961. The first one I went to, I saw Roger Maris hit numbers 47 and 8. The second one I went to, I saw him hit numbers 52 and 53. And then I went to the game on October 1st with my uh, parents and sister, and I saw him hit numbers 61. Wow. And uh, I saved the ticket stubs and program from uh, that. And I had them, well, I don't know if you yeah. Blurry. Uh, not clear. But I had, I had a collage with the tickets and the program, wow. also Maris's signature on a Michelob uh, beer stub. Uh, and as far as my favorite athlete, I would have to say probably Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love watching him play, even though, you know, he got clobbered by Boston all the time. <laughs> right. Well, that was the team, not him. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. Thank you on that. Michael, you have something? Yes. Hi. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned previously that I was at the game in 76 when Chambliss hit the game-winning home run to uh, win the, uh, the American League championship, which is mm -hmm. unbelievable. But there's nothing like going to a game, a big game, with your son or your daughter. And I happened to have gone to a game in October 1st, 1997, and it was a playoff game with the uh, Yankees and the Indians, and David Cohn was pitching for the Yankees, and he had nothing and was getting slapped around. And you'll never see Yankee Stadium looking sadder in your life. And out of the blue, toward the end of the game, Tim Raines, Derek Jeter, and Paul O'Neill, I think it was the only time in the playoffs, back to back to back. And the Yankees won. And I've never seen those 57,000 fans in this stadium. I've never seen Yankee Stadium so delirious, even better, even more so than Chamber. It was unbelievable. And the greatest feeling in the world is to go to a game and after it's all over, Everybody's high-fiving everybody. Everybody is just cheering. And even as you're walking down River Avenue, it's the most wonderful feeling in the world. So that was my greatest being at a game experience. And 
as far as the best baseball player I have uh, ever actually maybe ever seen was uh, Mickey Mantle in his prime. If you want to argue Mantle, Snyder, and Mays, of course, Mays and Snyder uh, eventually had better careers. But Mickey Mantle in his prime, he was the most loved. He was the fastest. He was the best drag bunter. He was maybe one of the best looking ball players in the sport. Most powerful. A beautiful song about he'd, she'd love to come up to him and pitch a little woo. And Mickey Mantle. And uh, I just feel sorry for anybody who's never seen what Mickey Mantle. When Mickey Mantle bat, all right, left handed was was pretty good, but he had a lot of Swiss cheese in his bat when he batted left. When he batted righty, when he batted righty, he looked as formidable as any baseball player any of you guys have ever seen. And that's Mickey Mantle. And that's my story. Well, I have a Mickey Mantle story too. Uh, so I'm. I- of course, I'm a big Met fans now, but this is before there ever was a Mets. Uh, I have two Mickey Mantle stories. Uh, I remember how to be 1960, and I'm a, a kid, 10 years old, right. and uh, we're collecting baseball cards. Seems like I've never stopped, <laughs> but uh, and I remember the hardest card to get in the 1960 uh, set was the Mickey Mantle cards. And they would have different, now I think all they have is two series. But back then, it's in my head, I'm thinking there were more than two series that they had out. I don't know what series the mantle card was in, but we never got it. We went to the candy store, we'd buy packs, I think we're a nickel each. Yep, right, right. And then we get them, how many cards we get with the gum, but we go through, we go through, we go through. All right, and then of course, what we did was we we traded we traded cards or flip cards or whatever you did back in those days. And I used to go bed. with this buddy. Now, if I was ten, this kid had to be eight. <laughs> now, of course, eight today and eight back in 1960 were two different things. <laughs> so the kid was able to come with me and walk about five or six blocks. Uh, this is in Brooklyn. And then we, we, he, he bought his cards. I bought my cards. And I said, let me see who you got. Lo and behold, there's Mickey Mantle. <laughs> but for some yeah. reason, the eight-year-old couldn't read. I don't know why. <laughs> Lucky you. So I said, hmm, how about if I give you my entire whatever I bought today for that one card? Mm. Okay. More worth the same. <laughs> went along with it. So uh, yeah, he, he gave me Mickey Mantle yeah, for yeah, all the yeah, cards. Right. So, of course, I didn't go crazy. Ha <laughs> ha! I got Mickey, you know. But that, that's how I got my I got my mouth closed and I got my Mickey Mantle card. Did I feel bad for the kid? No. Just, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost fair, right? <laughs> and then, then another Mickey story back in those days was that uh, I went to a ball game. And I must have been a doubleheader. We used to go to the Sunday doubleheaders. Oh, yeah. My family would take, my father would take me. And uh, my mom never went. My father would take me. And I think this was against Baltimore. And Mantle was just off the disabled list from a terrible, terrible injury. Don't remember the injury. It could have been that one that he got caught in the cyclone fence in Baltimore uh, early in the city. I don't know when it was exactly. I had no no stubs, but I remember Mantle came up to pinch it late in the first game. First game as a, uh, a lefty batter, I hit a pinch home run. 
Mm-hmm. The crowd went crazy, right? Yankee Stadium. Then the second game, he came up again. The bottom of the eighth inning, pinch hitting. Righty. Hit another home run to, to, to left field. So he pinch hit twice in two games and hit uh, two home runs. I always remember that. You know, this is before Mets, before I switched teams. But of course, Mantle was my hero back in those days. Mark, could I say one one other thing about Mickey Mantle? Yeah, uh, people, people your age probably see him uh, with his bad legs and his bad back, and he walked very, very stiff, and he ran very, very stiff. But to see Mickey Mantle in the 50s was an entirely different type of ball player. Right. But much to everybody's surprise, if uh, you're old enough to remember, he was booed. Yes. Specifically, yes. back in the 50s, early in the 50s, because of his injuries, uh, he wasn't eligible to go into the war. So people booed him a lot. And then toward the 60s, he became the iconic figure uh, that you people a little bit who were a little bit younger would remember. But to see Mickey Mantle in the 50s, he wasn't that beloved until I think the 55, he was great. But 56, he won the Triple Crown and then unbelievable his career. Hey, Milton, comment. No, I remember uh, him being booed when he first came up. And Mel Allen, Mel Allen stood up for him and said, Mantle never, never believes he's, he's Joe DiMaggio. You know, Mel Allen just kept repeating it to the fans, stop booing, you know, that he's that good. But I only remember him being booed when he first came up till he established himself. I guess he was a superstar of the era that he played in. I mean, like if, if, if Ruth was around and Mantle was around, Ruth would get top building. Would you say so? Totally. Yeah. Mantle would be an average player, yeah. average great player. And, and, and Joe DiMaggio era, right? Mantle would be number two to Joe DiMaggio during the Joe Matt DiMaggio era. Mm-hmm. So the area, the area, the area, the, um, what's the era. era? The era. The era. The era that uh, you're in, that's, that's, that's your boy. That's your boy, I would say, right? Gerald? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I recall, uh, Mantle blamed Joe DiMaggio for uh, uh, twisting his uh, ankle, I guess. In that no, no, he brain. tore off his knee. Tore he his tore his knee. knee. His knee. Yeah. yeah. He, he felt that Joe, Joe DiMaggio should have uh, gone for that ball, Jeff. Is pulled, that yeah, yeah, DiMaggio pulled up. And he went and he, the mantle hit a drainage ditch in the outfield. Yeah. And Playing right field, field, I believe, right? Right. right. Mantle, right. mantle pulled up, and when he pulled up, the spikes caught in the drainage ditch because he realized right. it was uh, DiMaggio's ball. So that's why they call oh, them accidents. Uh, you yeah. Know. You never know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who else has a story? Mike. Other Mike's I do. <laughs> All right. So my story today for Mark's. 150th Sports Talk is sponsored by McCovey Cove. (laughs) The most memorable moment in observing sports was The Catch, featuring Dwight Clark and Joe Montana of the 49ers, which took place on January 10th, 1982, against the Dallas Cowboys. More than 40 years have passed, and I still remember my reaction as if it was yesterday. I picked up my four-year-old son and tossed him in the air a few times. He was very happy to share my joy until my wife cautioned me to be careful. (laughs) People may not remember this, but after that 
after the catch. The Cowboys drove to midfield, and only a saving tackle by Ronnie Lott and Drew Pearson kept the Cowboys from a likely score. The Niners then got to the Dallas quarterback, Danny White, forced a fumble and recovered to put the game on ice. Bill Walsh, the 49er coach at the time, once opined that at the end of a close game, the team that can effectively rush the passer will usually prevail. All right, he was. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Nice, nice memory. Yeah. 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 Guys, everybody remembers that catch. <laughs> Any well, comments? Especially out here in San Francisco, it had been, this was the, uh, it had been years since they won anything. And so that was, it was so, so sweet, especially against the Cowboys. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. How many more years did Dwight Clark go on after that catch? Did he have a few more years? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay. Nice, nice story. Nice memory. Anybody else want to uh, add, add on? Okay. Mark? How, Howie? Howard? Yep. What? Me? Okay. So talking about oh. favorite sports event, I actually have three uh, list them in order, but the first, the number one is what I'll talk about. My number three event I was ever at was the AFL championship game. The, the Jets beat the Raiders in the mud at Shea. Um, and I remember Namath <laughs> finally leading him back to victory. It was 27-23. The second event was I was at game five of the 69 World Series. And I'll never forget, you know, Clendenning getting hit in the shoe, allegedly, and, and the White's home run and Cleon Jones catching the last ball and, and running for his life because, of course, the fans were allowed on the field in those days. But the number one event I was ever at was Ali Frazier won, which was March 8th of 1971. Wow. That was, you know, the whole story leading up to it with Ali's comeback, beating Bonavina and then Quarry. Um, and you had the Vietnam War and, and people who were against the war were for Ali and people who were for the war were for Frazier. And, and it was like, and the crowd, the way they were dressed with the fur coats and, and all the jewels and whatever, the atmosphere was was something unique. Um, and then, you know, it was a 15-round fight. The crowd was literally stunned when when Frazier staggered Ali in the 11th round. And then, of course, the knockout, which everybody knows the photo of in the 15th round. And it was amazing that Ali actually got up from that. Um yeah. But you know, in in retrospect, the fight itself was not the best of the Ali Fraser trilogy. The best was the thriller in Manila. Manila. Yeah, that was a better fight. Say it again. The, I'm sorry. Say it again. I said that the thriller in Manila was actually a better fight <clears throat> than yeah. Ali Fraser won. But the, the atmosphere, the whole the whole thing, the two undefeated champions, it was an utterly unique event. You know. Right, that's the one that Frazier won, right? In the garden, yeah. yeah. Frazier won yeah. the first one, Knock, knocked Ali down the fifteenth round with a left right. hook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he didn't and get he up. Staggered him in the eleventh. He, did, he, did he get up for the? the uh, he, you said he got he, up, right? He got up. Yeah, he got up he from got the up. Yes. He finished the fight. Yeah, he actually finished it pretty strongly in the last minute. Was that a unanimous decision, or was it two? Uh, yes, it was a unanimous decision. Yeah. So, yeah, long time ago. You oh, were yeah. there. That's great. That's 70, great. Oh, yeah. 70, 71. Oh. Okay. Thank you for that story, that memory. Anybody else want to uh, add on? 
Is your hand up, Jeff? I see a hand on the screen. Are you going to? Yeah. Watch? Oh, yeah. yeah, it is up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine's going to just repeat uh, the Mickey Mantle growing up in the Bronx in the 50s. And he was bigger than life to me. He was the perfect combination of speed, power, and athleticism. Yeah. Uh, I played ball and I would imitate his stance at both sides of the plate. Obviously, couldn't hit like him. Uh, uh, and he. And, you know, it was just, it was a giant letdown when he got older and as an adult. And I realized that he was just a, a horrible man. And uh, that, that'll just lead to a quick sobering story. If you, two seconds. Yeah. So my father was in Parker, Jewish geriatric, and uh, he was uh, dying. And I was giving him a shave. And I, we, I don't know, we were talking about something, but sports. And I said, you know, Pop, I said, you know, you loved Garrick and Ruth, and I love Mantle. And I says, you know, Pop, they're, they're not my heroes. They're not heroes at all. He goes, and he was very gruff, very blue-collar, my father. And uh, so he said, yeah, so wh what does that mean? I said, Pop, you're my hero. And, <laughs> and uh, the, the greatest uh, event that I had been at, which I had seen so many Yankee games on TV and Ranger games at the garden, but, uh, and, but the greatest event that I was at was at the uh, July 18th, 1999, the, uh, David Cohn, uh, perfect game. Huh. Mm. Against right. the Expos. Right. Against right. the Expos. The Expos. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They replay that game a lot on, uh, on, on the yes network. Every now and then it was a good game. David Cohn. Hall of Fame, you guys think, or borderline? What do you think? Borderline. Wasn't there some kind of ceremony that Don, that Don Lawson was? Yes, at? that was the that was the Yogi Berra back to the stadium, and it happened to be with Don Lawson there. Yeah, so, it was, right, yeah. but it was, I, I guess, it, it was. It, it, it you would say that it was. Uh, what do you call? I can't think of the word all of a sudden, but uh, serendipity. The, the, the serendipitous or coincidental. That it happened that he yeah. pitched the perfect game while Berra and uh, well, Lawson were there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Going back to, to Mickey again, I remember when my kids were in Little League. I, um, now I remember, adult, <clears throat> man, Mantle, long gone. Uh, now I have kids and we're playing Little League and I'm the manager and I'm giving <clears throat> out uniforms to these, these kids who are seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. Uh, I'll, yeah, you take number seven for Mickey Mantle. And the kid would say, who's Mickey Mantle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, who's Mickey Mantle? <laughs> you get number seven. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I bet if I asked, we did this before, if I asked you your favorite number for a uniform, and there were so many number sevens. Uh, but sure. Yep. Truly Roger Bear and Mickey Mantle. During our, during our time. Thank you for that story. During Anybody else? Anybody else want to add some Howie? Other Howie? Uh, well, oops. Wait a minute. I'm not here. Okay. Uh, well, as far as being at an event uh, is concerned, uh, it happened to be the, the, there's two actually. One, I was at the garden, and I don't know if you were there with me, Mark. Uh, it was the first game of Bill Bradley. He had, oh, I was at that game too. 
Yeah. You were at that game. He scored. Yeah, like with my father. With my father. With my father, I was at that game. He scored yeah. like eight or twelve oh. points, something like that. It was the yeah. old garden, and it was a big, big thing. Mm. I'll re- never forget that. Yeah, but the, the other, the other thing that uh, big event that I was at was the 1977 World Series, the first mm. game against the Dodgers. Uh, I think. I believe Don Gullett stars for the Yankees. A, a college friend of mine, we got tickets somehow, but we're sitting way out in left field, mid, in the next to last section, left field, midway <laughs> up. It's freezing cold that night. Where we you guys remember the old snorkel jackets, you know? Yeah. And we're sitting there enjoying the game, could barely see anything, enjoying the game. Well, that game, as it turns out, the, the Yankees score, the Dodgers score, the Yankees score, the Dodgers score. It goes into the 12th inning, and we don't leave, you know? Uh, and uh, the Yankees, if I remember, the Yankees get a couple of runners on, and I think Billy Martin sends up Paul Blair to bunt them along, you know, playing conservatively. And I think Blair uh, missed the bunt and... It, it got two strikes, and so uh, he let him hit, and Blair gets a hit, single, Yankees win, place goes bananas, wild. I'll never forget that, being at a World Series game and seeing them winning that, that way. Never forget it. And how, yep. and how cold it was. <laughs> you froze your butt ski off, huh? Oh my God! I had to be had to be very young, you know. I was like uh, twenty seven, you know. I had to be young and just crazy to do that. Would never do that today. <laughs> Watch it on TV. Yeah. Fred, you want to comment? Yeah, I just I kind of just talk about one one more memory. I know I talk about sure. but baseball. Yeah. How he was talking about very also cold day October. I think October 6, 2000, when Benny Agbayani hit the I think a home run in the 13th inning to beat the to beat the uh, Giants in the playoffs. The only baseball playoff postseason game I've ever been to. But it was just yeah. also very freezing. It was a, just the moment. It was, a, it was just a, a great game. Agbayani had a big following when he was. Yeah, I think it was game three, yeah. if my memory's right. Huh. Yeah. All, wore, right. all the Hawaiians wore number 50. He wore 50. Sick Fernandez wore number yeah. 50. Ron Darling. Darling Ron 50. never wore 50. Up, he was yeah, Hawaiian. He was Hawaiian. But they were Ron, 50. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Anybody else have a story? Anybody else? I'm looking here. Uh, Gerald has a comment. What? I just wanted to comment about uh, Ted Williams. Uh, one of the things that I saw uh, uh, Ted Williams on the baseball field, um, I'm eight years old. The year is 1954. I'll never forget this. And I'm watching the Boston Red Sox play the Yankees on, of course, WPIX. And there's nobody playing on the left side of the infield practically. Ted Williams is up. And I'm saying to myself, what a dope. All he has to do is just hit the ball down the third baseline. He's got to hit. Right. And they had the extreme shift on him. And then after a couple of years, I decided, you know, maybe he knows more about hitting than I mm. do. And wrong. That was my conclusion. Amazing mm. how he hit through that shift. Yeah, we said the batting averages are going to be a slightly higher this year without this shift. Yes. Mm. Yes. Where, do you, where do you see this? 260, they think. Yeah. It's, 
Good. Ex except the left-handed hitters. From 245 to 260 is the estimate. Uh, well, Michael, Michael F. I just want to say that... Uh, 1972, Muhammad Ali was a champion. Was a champion, and uh, to see him on uh, full circuit TV was like one of the biggest things you'd ever possibly yeah. watch. Right back in those days. Right. However, uh, at that particular time, I was in Puerto Rico on my honeymoon at the Caribbean Hilton, and sure enough, there it is: the uh, Muhammad Ali versus uh, Bob Foster. Yeah, that was the match. I said to my wife, Eileen, this is unbelievable. People will kill to be watching this, this fight. Right? Said, yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael. But I got to watch <laughs> I got to watch the fight and I'll leave one. I think they knocked him out in the seventh or eighth round. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Michael, it's not that easy to do the alley shuffle. I try it on the tennis court. It's not no, that easy to do. Practice. Yeah. All right. So listen, homework for next week is come back and show us the, the, the alley shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> one at a time. Okay. Well, we could do it all together. All right, uh, Joe, what do you have? Yeah, well, I, there's uh, kids. Duke Snyder was my hero. But um, in re in retrospect, uh, Ali, Muhammad Ali was the, uh, you know, was really my all-time hero. And I'm not even a big boxing fan, but I was a big Ali fan. And I thought the fact that he stood up for mm -hmm. the United States government and he trashed his career at the height of his right. powers you know, oh, they yeah. took away and they took everything yeah. away from him and he refused to bend and he ended up winning. But in the long run, he probably lost because when he came back, he didn't have that lightning speed anymore. And he had to rely no, on the not. fact that he was he was almost superhuman in his ability to to withstand punishment. You know, and it finally Warner. caught up to him when he got Parkinson's syndrome all those years later. But he was, you know, to my way of speaking, there's nobody close to Ali. And how come he wasn't arrested back those days for draft dodging? Okay. Hmm. He wasn't arrested, right? No, I don't know whether he was arrested. No. He went through. You know, I don't. I don't remember all the details anymore. But he, uh, you know, he refused to step forward for induction. I don't know what happened. He certainly had a lot of, you know, there were a fair amount of people on his side, uh -huh. but they stripped him. They stripped him of his crown. Yeah, he couldn't make a living for those four years. I mean, they did, you oh. know, and he knew he knew that was going to happen. And he was a black man from the South and he knew. And yet he was still willing to stand up. Well, he claimed to be a conscientious observer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's when he yeah. changed his name. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't right. Think, that's why he changed his name, no? I don't think anybody ever did anything close to that. Joe, I just want to add one thing to Joe. He was also maybe... When you think of every possible athlete you could think of, he was the most entertaining athlete. Yes. He was the most whimsical yeah. athlete. He was. He, yeah, he, he would probably do stand-up comedy funnier than uh, half the comics he'd ever want to see. But I just want to say one thing on the negative Especially side. Especially when he took Howard to Howard. Fan, the last fight he fought before he fought Liston, he fought a boxer by the name of Doug Jones, a very, very good boxer. And they fought to a 10-round decision. And if you ever watch that fight, you can see that Joe Jones should have been uh, awarded the fight and actually did really? Ali, if you watch, but the, the uh, judges gave it to Ali, which enabled him because the next fighter was the next battle was supposed to be his listen. So they figured uh, Ali was more uh, uh, charismatic and stuff. Yeah. He got yeah. listen. But uh, it bothered me for a while. And I was not an Ali fan for a while because of that. And it bothered me because I didn't think he deserved to, uh, to start his career that way. I thought he should have taken more time. 
My favorite thing with Ali is when he took Howard Cosell's toupee off. Howard Cosell helped promote him also. Cosell, Cosell, whether you like him or don't like him, stood up for Ali when very few people I can only imagine what he went through, Cosell, also. Yeah. Cosell was a constitutional lawyer at one time. Yes. When he was a lawyer, yeah, yeah. Right, Jerry. He was uh, a Larry. lawyer for Willie Mays when he got his uh, his license, his liquor license in Brooklyn. Oh, really? That's right. That's right. Larry S., you had a comment? I saw your hand went up before. Something else. Larry oh, S.? I, I, already, I already said that. Yes, that was it. Okay. Milton got a comment? Yeah. <clears throat> Just a quick thing. I, I, if I remember it correctly, despite the fact that Mantle had one of the greatest springs in 1951, he did not go with the team up to New York. He, when he played, if I remember it right, he, he, he hurt himself, his leg, in high school playing football and got osteomyelitis. Right. Um, and bef- the, the draft board, the selective service, actually called him for a physical, and that's why he didn't go immediately from spring training to the Yankees. And um, then they... they, they they classified him that he didn't have to, but a number of the uh, people on the board wanted him drafted. Remember, he did oh. not, uh, he escaped the uh, the draft, but he really did have that osteomyelitis, which right. he suffered for, mm-hmm. I th- but it happened from a football injury. Yeah, I just have to remember that. And didn't he come up as number six, and then he went to the minor leagues and came back as number right. seven, something like that? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he was originally seven. You know what? I think his father told him to get back up to play or you're going to be in the coal, uh, coal oh, miner like him. Yeah, I remember yeah. that story also. I used to read the news in the Daily Mirror, everything about him. I was yeah, the Daily Mirror. Joe, so you said Duke Snyder, your favorite player. Yeah, right? he was. So he was. Uh, Willie, uh, Mickey, and the Duke, you, you're still going to say that he's your, your favorite? He was my favorite team? player. I don't think, I think Willie Mays was the greatest of, the, of them all. And then Mantle, you could argue with between Mantle and Mays, but they were clearly as, you know, but Snyder was Snyder was very very uh, consistent over all those years. I think it was mentioned last week he led the uh, National League in home runs in the decade of the fifties. Right. And also he he yeah. also he always stepped up to the plate in uh, in the World Series. I think he hit four home runs. Yes. Uh, twice in two World Series, <clears throat> two different World well, Series, and that's a but that was he that was pretty damn good. That was a record too. Yeah. Also, uh, also a great song, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Right. The Duke, yeah. Right. Uh, like you know, I think I was going to say I wanted to say something about Mantle. Something I remember as a kid reading about him, or not, maybe not as a kid, but um, he always he all of the men in his family died young. Cancer. And he always thought that he was never going to live long, and that's one of the reasons that he didn't take care of himself. Exactly. Because I think in retrospect, if he knew, he he, he would have. Uh, he would have lived his life differently. They all died of cancer in his family. Did he come up as a shortstop? Yes. Yes. In field, yes. yes. Anybody see him play as a shortstop? No. no. I, don't I don't. Did he ever play? Did he ever play the infield in the major leagues? First base. Yeah. Oh, the end. Yeah. No, I mean when he first came up, you. He, no. he, he, didn't, he didn't play as a middle infielder, right? <laughs> right. No. no. You know what else is enjoyable about Mickey Mantle? Uh, as one who never particularly liked the Dodgers, he really did well against the Dodgers. He actually hit a home run uh, 
in uh, Larson's perfect game. And I always feel that, I hate to admit it, that the Dodgers might have been slightly better than the Yankees all those years. And yet Walter Olson never had the smarts to pick or, pitch around Mantle. And Mantle mm-hmm. really did a lot of damage against the Dodgers. And uh, that, that's one thing. But I, but I also agree uh, that Mays was better than Mantle uh, for an entire career. But in his prime, I don't think Mickey, uh, Willie, and the Duke, I don't think anybody was better than Mickey. No, we're not. Well, you know, you're the Yankee fans. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, well, yeah. Three teams in New York, and poor, Thank poor you. Duke Snyder had to be number three. I'll <laughs> d- try my best. I want everyone to not think I'm the best. You know, the poor guy was always number three in the, in his own city. He was good as that. He was good. He was good. You know, you know, still... As a kid, it bothered me. Now it doesn't. Let's not forget about that. I, I wanted to say one other thing about runs. you mentioned that uh, with the 56 Dodgers, Michael, that you thought might have been better than the Yankees. I, yeah, in right. Fifty-five, too, but were they right. won, but they had their hitting was probably as good. But the one thing the Yankees had was pitching. Yes, right. You know, the Newcomb, problem with whatever, the Dodgers for whatever, for whatever reason, Newcomb Newcomb could not. <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't pitch in the World Series as well. No. And the Yankees had no. Whitey Ford, in, in my estimation, the greatest money pitcher of all time. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But it would have helped the Dodgers though if, he, if they pitched around Mickey. Yeah, okay. I never, I never thought of that one, and maybe it would yeah. have. But yeah. and Sizer Swanson was only the manager in '55 and '56. Right, Dresson right. Be- was before that was Chuck Dressen and all. Yeah. Dressen was in uh, '50, <laughs> I guess '52 and '53. Right, right, right. Even in '52, Mantle slapped around the Dodgers in the World Series. Mickey bad third yeah. in the batting order. Mickey bad third. Yeah. Who was fourth? Yeah. Yogi. Yogi was fourth. It was Bauer, McDougal, Mantle. And That's who was fourth? Barra? No, I was fifth at one point. So who was right. who got a cleanup for them? For the Moose. Scourge? Uh, really? I think Scourge was wasn't there all the time, though. I don't think Scourge was there in the Scourin didn't come up until oh. 60. Mm. Didn't they have a guy named Joe Collins batting? Yes, he was yeah. in space, but I don't think he batted right. cleanup. No, he didn't bat go back to those box scores to yeah. see who was batted fourth. How about in the perfect game? Did anyone know? No, they they show that game every now and then on the yeah Yankee and Mickey's please hat. please I'm still I'm still traumatized by it. <laughs> <laughs> every time every fact, time that comes on, Roger, Roger calls me. It's on. It's on. In fact, <laughs> if I if I can give it a side, Snyder made a better catch the man. The game was the, that, the perfect game was on a weekday afternoon, and I came home from school yeah. and I had a dentist appointment. Not with you, Bill. <laughs> I was coming home from high school. You know, I, I just... wasn't leaving. I wasn't leaving. I was going to watch that game. So I got to the dentist appointment late and he was mad at me. You know, <laughs> anytime, anytime you want to watch any of those games, I, I get them on YouTube. YouTube. Right. I, I, I can watch the entire World Series any game I want. I, I t- you know, t- for the year exactly. you, were, you really wanted it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, so Mickey was originally assigned number six since he really? was seen as the next in line for Yankee greatness after Babe Ruth, number three, Lou Gehrig, number four, and Joe DiMaggio, number five. Cool. Cool. All right. In the, 19, three to, to in the 1956 head. World Series, the cleanup hitter for the Yankees was Barra. 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 Yeah. yeah. Garen batted I, fifth, I think. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Greatest bad ball hitter. Power huh? and Collins were were up there at the top, I think. Mm. 
Okay, very good. Thank you for that. Anybody else have any more uh, stories? Which made me think before when you said that Mano was doing great in the in spring training and he was sent back to the minors. Makes me think about Anthony, Anthony Volpe this year. What's going to happen with Anthony Volpe? Anyone uh, in two weeks? Is he making the big team? I hope so. Second, what about Mauricio? I hope so, but what, you know, what are they going to do? What trades are they going to make? That's the question. They say he's right. a natural second baseman. Torres is, should be he should be halfway out the door, right, Glaber? They will. For, yeah. They're going to need some pitching for the time. Yeah, game. they sure are. Even Donaldson said the other day, he says, you know, I suck. <laughs> he says, I know. I'm not, I'm not doing the way I, I used to do it. He admitted it. An okay. honest man. Honest How man. old is he? Yeah. About thirty-five, I guess, right? I think mid-thirties. Yeah, mid-thirties. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But but he but he also said if if he doesn't if he didn't think he could have a good year, he and he couldn't do it anymore. He he would have retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the way he swings goes to right field all the time now. He's thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, every Yankee fan is is hoping that he goes and and Hicks leaves. <laughs> Nobody wants Hicks. No, he's no, he's, no. They read the paper today. He he's yeah, but, booed but, in 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 non yet non home games. He's booed in visitors. <laughs> they might need him for the beginning of the season. Who they got? Who who's going to play center field at the start of the season? That's right. That's right. Injured, right. Sure. I mean, Judge. I mean, they're going to move Hicks to center to start and put Cabrera in left. No, they're going to put Judge in center. Judge played center I don't, last I don't year. Think that, I don't think they really want to play Judge in center. Okay. No, they were. I mean, he did a good job, but I think they're very wary of yeah of, of uh, the wear and tear playing center field. On yes, you can always try Dominguez. You can always try Dominguez. See what happens. Well, no, I think he's too young. But let's see what happens. About a hell of an arm, I'll tell you that. Before we continue, I want to wish Stuart a happy birthday. Today's your birthday. Oh, yeah. right? Right. Yes, happy yes. Birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday, Thank you. All right. So I want to thank everyone who contributed to uh, the special uh, segments today. Let's continue a little bit with the uh, some of our old goodies and Milton. Yes, you have sir. a song queued up for us? Yeah, oh. I do. Here's, the, right, th here's the thing. I'm going to play a song for you today that everybody knows. There have been 20 different people that sang it. But about three years ago, I knew he was performing at the Westbury Manor here on Jericho Turnpike. And I made sure <laughs> that Barbara and I went there to hear him sing. He had one of the greatest songs of all time. And uh, I got to talking to him first. He, the, the group was from the Bronx. So was he, uh, Christopher Columbus High School, played softball at PS 89 in the Bronx. Yeah. And uh, he sang tenor for this group. You'll all know the song, yeah. but I don't know if you'll know the group. So let's hear it and then I'll tell you. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> Park, and Harold Arland. Right. It was a number one hit 
1960. Randy and the Rainbows? Great song, great uh, leader. He's singing tenor. Well, Frankie Valley. Oh, my God. Tip of my tongue. She was. Let's try to guess who it is. Melton, give us some hints. You can shut it off, Melton. So, who do you uh, get, uh, do you have any hints? Like, what league was he? American or national? (laughs) (laughs) And I saw him, and he thanked everybody that without this song, he wouldn't be where he was. It made him the money. And he was thrilled that the song was so popular. He had another one on the other side also. But this song made him, and he thanks everyone who was there that night, and he performed every week at the Westbury Manor. Was that Dion? Was that Dion? No. No. Um, I'll give it to you. It's Lenny Dell, and the group is The Dimensions. They were all from the Bronx. Never heard them. Never heard them. You stopped us. You Number one song, 1960. I don't remember that song at all, and I listened to everything. Remember it vividly. I just remember it. Must have heard it. Look it up. But when you're back, put it on your computer. Lenny Dell. Lenny Dell and the Dimensions. The Dimensions song. Thank you. I struggled with that one. Interesting. All right. Why don't we go on? Michael, do you have any stories today for us? I just want to give an analogy about what's going on with the Jets. Okay. After you, I'm going to go back to Larry. You still there? Or Larry left? I was going to do Larry's no, next but he had to go five o'clock. Okay, I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead there, uh, Michael. Yeah. Let's suppose I am your friend, all right? And you need my help. And you ask me for help. And if I pray, if I use, if I, if I do what I can to help you, it'll make you your life so so good. It's never been that good since 1969. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> and, and we're friends. And I say, okay, let me think about it. All right. And I think about it. And while I'm thinking about it, every other individual who has a possibility of helping you becomes unavailable. All right. And you keep asking huh. me and you keep begging me. And I say, let me think about it. Let me think about it. I would think that, you know, and this is something that the Jets are not doing, but I think almost every one of you will say to me, screw you, I'll figure something out, all right? And that's what, as a diehard Jet fan, what is going on right now? And it is true. If Rodgers really was motivated to be the Jets quarterback, they would be, especially if they do a, a, a good job at the draft choosing, and I think Joe Douglas could choose some really, really stud players he's done it before, couple of extra uh, linemen and uh, something else. You just got a free safety. Uh, they would be really, really close to competing for the Super Bowl. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Right? But instead, they're waiting and waiting and waiting with Aaron Rodgers. And actually, they thought for sure it was going to happen yesterday. It still didn't happen. Right. And I don't know. As a, as a fan of the team, it's insulting. And I would say, I'm going to figure something better out. Okay? Whatever it is. Even if it, and, and look what happened with uh, Mike White. They they waited so long yep. they even lost Mike White. Yep. And, yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. You could you could feel free to say SOJ again because right now so the Jets. same old Jets, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's you, my work. Alan right. Lazard. Oh, something wants to show. Right. 
Uh, Alan, uh, Alan Lazard, Rogers' target in uh, Green Bay. The Jets signed him as a free agent. Right. It wasn't part right. of the trade. I thought he'd be part of the trade. Maybe Randall Cobb may come part of that trade. So Lazard signed for forty-four million, a four-year deal. Four-year deal, and now they write down how much is guaranteed on all these contracts. Did, did the they forty-four twenty-two million is guaranteed money? Did yeah, they get rid of, that's the did initial, they get rid of Corey uh, Davis? Not mentioned here. Not mentioned. No. Here. Guys, remember one thing though. With with uh, Rogers in the NFC. There aren't there aren't really the top caliber quarterbacks in the AFC. You still have to beat Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and Herbert what to win a Jackson? Super Bowl. Quarterbacks. What about Jackson? And and Jackson. How and, is nobody that, that caliber and, 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 in the and, NFC? And, right. and, I'll, and I'll give you another one: an up and coming team, um, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Oh, they yeah. had a very good year. Yeah. yeah, that's true. They had the a very AFC good year. He's an up and coming quarterback. Yeah. Young quarterbacks. So what about Jalen Hurts at Philadelphia? He's going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but, yeah. but you know, there isn't the depth of quality in the right. NFC. They don't think the Eagles, the Eagles will be as good next year. They lost their offensive coordinator. They lost their defense coordinator. And they lost a lot of free agents. Awesome. They lost yeah. three, three, to, three to keep plays from difference. defense yesterday. Failed. Yeah, so, I'd be very surprised if they come even close to what they did this year. But, San Francisco would be the cream of the crop there. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Nice. See what happens. You nice. get to play the game. See what happens. So right. I wouldn't talk about Super Bowl and Jets in the same paragraph. <laughs> the long way to the top. You wouldn't even talk about them in the same book. I don't know. <laughs> you could wish, you could think, and all that stuff. It, it ain't happened even with the uh, Rogers. You know, nope. I don't think so. But nope. we'll see. We'll see. I could be uh, eating crow right now. Do you think they're going to get him? Do you think he's sort of ultimately yes, going to sign? I think they're, going I think what, they're working they're on the deal. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they you, you know, it'll, 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 be, it'll be the Jets' luck. Aaron Rodgers will turn out to be like Willie Mays was with the Mets. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That? oh yeah. that, that'd be like, sad. That would. Yeah, yeah no, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, maybe, maybe he's not, he can't recover from his thumb injury and he's still, you know, I mean, not everybody's going to be like Tom Brady. Well, he's only 40 hot. years right. old, Fred. What? He's only 40 years old, Rogers. If they don't get him, they don't get him. They're in trouble because all the quarterbacks, I think, are all gone. Except they, got, they, have, they have Jacoby Brissett. He was, no, Carson, Carson Wentz. Right, they. Right, they. Turn your money in. Uh, so Zach Wilson. All right, so there's two more weeks of spring training. Under the tutelage of Two more weeks of spring training. Uh, the 30th is coming up. That's uh, two right. weeks from, from today. The season right. begins. That's also the day of our special guest. We're going to have uh, Rob Nandin on, the former minor league baseball player. So that should be a cool, cool day on, uh, on March 30th. But the World Baseball Classic is going on. Are you guys watching the games? No. Yeah, I I watched the perfect game last night by Puerto yeah. Rico against Israel. Right, that was only a uh, was that a five inning or seven inning game? It was eight, seven. eight inning, eight inning, bottom of the eight. Oh, eight that's inning. right. They 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 won on a walk off, right? Right. Yeah. I, I watched the USA play against the Giants early in the week. Yeah, uh, a nephew of mine had to remind me, and it was a hell of a lineup. 
And they say it's the yeah. most expensive lineup out of all the countries. Yeah. They have they're, they're dishing out the most money of those players. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be funny during the regular season for the perfect game and the last batter is struck out because he because he couldn't get in the box fast enough? Uh-huh. <laughs> which which those rules also, have to be tweaked. So according <laughs> to you guys, not many of you are, are religiously uh, watching the game. Mm. You're watching here and there. I know there right. was talk all earlier in the week on that uh, on your um, texting back and forth when when Israel beat. Nicaragua? Was that what is it? Nicaragua? Nicaragua, yeah. And they say, oh, if they go all the way, there'll be parades in in, in Tel Aviv and all that stuff. And who's going? Who's buying the ticket? Right. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But uh, Puerto Rico looks good. Japan, they haven't lost. No. But did you hear about the other day, uh, yesterday, or it could have been a day and a half ago because of the time difference, but uh, South Mm -hmm. Korea beat China. Uh, like twenty-two to two, oh, yeah, wow. yep. And and South Korea doesn't qualify to move on to the next round. Correct. <laughs> oh, wow, that's crazy. But they were happy to kick the shit out of the Chinese. The Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> and Taiwan has a team, and China has a team. Taiwan and China each have their own team. I thought well, that was so cool. All right, we'll see what happens if they play a spring training. The kid, the kids. Love that the World Classic is going on because the kids get to play with the big boys more games than usually they get shipped out to play with the minor leaguers. Uh, any any question, any problems or any comments about the, the, the pitch clock and the shifts? There's certain things so far. Okay. Fred. Yeah. You know, it will have to be tweaks. I don't know if you noticed the other day, but Verlander had a point where I think the mound was wet. And he kept digging at his spikes, and he asked C.B. Buckner, the umpire, about it. You know, is the is there any kind of leeway in Buckner? I said, I really don't know. Right, they don't you know. That's just one example. Right, you know, take a certain yeah, time out. <laughs> Put the T up there. Time out. I got. You know, I mean, I mean, you don't want to have a pitcher, you know, yeah. you know, throw a pitch and his and his feet slip out from him, and he form, exactly. you know, kill his shoulder, or his leg, or whatever. Right. So they are going to have to think about certain situations like that. It's true. Official right. timeouts. Yeah. Baseball should not be timed. That's uh, yeah. I say. Uh, the shifts, the batting average will be higher, I think. The yeah, larger bases, going to be more stolen bases. Okay. And right. the kickoff rule, I don't like it all. I don't like that rule. No. The two, the third time, you got to get him out or it's a balk. I don't like mm. that rule at all. But that that's me. That's me. The ghost I run. Think, I that's think the, the worst one. of all is the uh, is the ghost runner in the uh, extra innings. I don't like that. They, they, they've done it. They it during COVID. I know. I know. They, I know the players three years they don't yeah. want to go. They that don't seems to be everybody extra innings. But but the ghost runner is not going to apply in extra in uh, postseason play. Postseason. Yeah. No. All right. Right. Life's been placed the whole year. The one six games of the year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys, so, how about how about a ghost runner for the twelfth inning and beyond? Fine. Yeah. Fine. Fine, if they want to, yeah, that makes sense. Right, always said that. Play the regular baseball until all right, the twelfth inning, which is ridiculously long. Right, the best rule is in the All Star game. If the game goes into the eleventh inning, the game gets gets ended as a home run hitting contest. That's pretty cool. That was that was yeah. That's not that's not going through, but that's an idea, right? It wasn't. I think it's in there. Oh, just for the All. You mean just for the All Star game? 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, why not? So, um, the Yankees have a situation with all those guys hurt. What are they going to do with those guys hurt? Efros, elbow. Trevino, the the pitcher, elbow. Beta, six weeks. Montaz, Rondon. Rondon, forearm strain. Beta. Beta. Beta, oblique, oblique. Six weeks. Montez. Six weeks. Montez will be out the rest of the season. Shoulder. Canely, biceps, tendonitis. Just the beginning. Yep. How about Quintana with the Mets? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, but you want to I mean, the Phillies had this 19-year-old kid. I forget his name. Painter. He thought he was going to maybe make the rotation. He got hurt, too. Here's a very interesting interesting story I, I came across. Maybe you guys saw this. The Diamondbacks. Who thinks about the Diamondbacks? Yeah, I'm reading about it. They have this kid who played last year for them, 33 <laughs> games, batted 104 times, had four homers. Uh, he's still eligible to be Rookie of the Year if he has a fabulous yeah. year this year. They gave him a contract. They extended yeah. his contract. Eight years. Eight years for $111 million. Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll. An option in in 2031 to make $134 million. They believe they have found lightning in a jar with this. Yeah, I'm just dreaming. He's the the subject of Joel Sherman's column in today's post. We read about him a couple of days ago. He was up last year. I don't remember him at all. His, his extension is well, the first move toward contention for Arizona. He's a lefty is, lefty. Is, yeah. is there a player option? Can any opt out of that contract? Or I don't, is, I don't is know. That the case, it's an outfielder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, they have a ninth year. It says Howie. It says here is a ninth year option that if triggered would buy out three of three three agent years for Carroll. The, a ninth year. So yeah, I think it's a good if they have faith in him, then it, it's a good investment. Yeah, yeah. They really think very highly up to his expectations. Sure. Yeah. Put him in your brain, Corbin Carroll. They may be trying, to, they may be trying to, to do what the Braves and Indians have done, yeah. you know, signing yeah, these yeah, guys. With Ozzy uh, Albies and, and um, yeah, yeah. Acuna. I think the Indians did the same things a few years back. Harris. Then there was a story. I should, I should say Guardians. I said Indians. Uh, <laughs> then there was a story. The Tigers signed the other day a Nicaraguan pitcher. He, his name is Duque Hebert. H-E-B-B-E-R-T. I don't know the pronunciation. Ebert? Ebert? Espanol? You don't pronounce the H? Ebert. Ebert. He yeah. pitched one inning for Nicaragua. He's 21 years old. They saw him in the World Baseball Classic. He came in the ninth inning. He struck out Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, and Ooh. Rafael Devis on 14 pitches in the middle. Machado got a double. Machado, for that one inning, the Tigers, they're, they're, he, nobody had him. <laughs> they ran after him and signed him to a contract. He's now on the Tigers. Hmm. And why not? Why not? Yeah. Duque. There's the Duque name. Duque. 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 I want to see how to pronounce it. number two. Ebert. Ebert. Not Ebert. 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 Whatever. 
And then if you hear that Trevor Bauer was signed with a Japanese team. Japanese league. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wants to play this year. And uh, who knows? Let him go. He saw Japanese anime and he thought he could, you know, that's an <laughs> introduction to Japanese <laughs> women. On that kid. Okay. And then uh, the Cardinals have this superstar, also a 20-year-old, Jordan Walker. Have any of you ever heard of Jordan Walker? Sounds like yeah. a superstar name, though. 20 year old, yeah. he's tearing up in spring, and they want they hope he makes the 26 man roster. Another guy will be they'll be paying big bucks for in, in a couple of years from now. Fernando Tatis Jr. the other day got his first hit in 526 days. <laughs> it was a spring training hit. Of course, uh, he, he was 0 16 in the spring before. Getting that first hit. No, that's going to be his career. He had injuries and things like that. Uh, where is he playing this year? He's with the uh, the Padres. Yeah, but where? Where? I Which think he's going to be in the outfield. Yeah. Has to be. They've got Bogarts player. and Machado with the. That's injury. right. What a super team they got. I hope nobody yeah. gets. Yeah. I can see them go far. I think they should laugh the Dodgers. win the division. A Dodgers story. I thought this was a great story. The Dodgers <laughs> were playing. Uh, a game amongst themselves. This is before, maybe during spring training or maybe before spring training. And they needed a left fielder. So they asked their ball boy, <laughs> whose name is Chico. <laughs> Chico, you'll go play, go play left field. So Chico gets his glove. We had his glove on. He's the ball boy. And he got into the game. He made a great catch. And I think he threw somebody out. <laughs> wow. That Chico Escuela, I don't know what <laughs> Baseball been very, very good to me. I don't know. But that, that was an interesting story. And then, Alex, and then another story. Alex Bregman, third baseman for the Astros. Lonsman. Nice Jewish boy. I saw this play. On a 5-4-3 double, double play, he wanted to experiment. for spring training. So he purposely threw the ball, ground ball to third. He purposely threw the ball to the second baseman covering the bag on one bounce. Second baseman knew it was coming. Next time it comes, one bounce. He one bounced it to the second baseman. Of course, he caught it through the first for the double play. Jose Altuve knew it was coming. And I thought that was interesting, that play. They showed that all the time. Matt Harvey? Mm -hmm. Pitching well for... uh, for Italy. Italy. Oh. Yeah. So where's the, where's the connection? How is he Italian? His mother's Italian. His mother's Italian. Really? His mother. So he's half Italian. What rules they have here, huh? Now here's a trivia question. Marcus Stroman was pitching for Puerto oh, Rico. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, the last time they had the World Baseball Classic. What was it, a 19? Uh, the, he played, for, he played right. for the USA. So he is one of three players who have played for two different countries in the World Baseball Classic. Do you know the other two names? I didn't know. I had to look it up. Anybody? No clue on that one. Bruce Chen, who had a 16-year career. Uh, He threw for Panama. He must have some relation to be in Panama. But the Chen name is Chinese. He also played for Chinese. China. And then uh, a guy named Paul Rutgers, like Rutgers University. <laughs> he played for Australia and South Africa. I don't know how South Africa got, got involved in the World Baseball Classic. 
but it had to be in the early years. <laughs> Interesting situation. And then, yeah, then Max Scherzer says, suggested this World Baseball Classic is going to, you know, the injuries are going to happen. These guys are the guys are not ready. Two weeks no. into spring training to then go play competitive ball for your country. Mm. He says they should play this game in the middle of the season. Play yeah, the yeah, but why interrupt it? Yeah, that's, that's another suggestion. Or play it after the season. Yeah, and How could you play it? There's no, there's no way. There's not enough time. You know, years no ago, if you you guys may remember the years ago, once the season and World Series was over, the United States took a team, an all-star team, to play. Mm. Was it in China or Japan? Japan. Japan. Yeah, and they played like an eight, five, seven, eight game series. Right. That's another way. That's something they could do, Joe. I think in the old days, before players made a whole lot of money, they used to barnstorm after yeah. the regular season. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 They play the Negro League players. They do a lot yeah. of stuff. So guys yeah. used to play. And you still have Winter League ball. You still have guys right. playing Winter League. Puerto Rico, I guess. And, of course, we want to bring and up. the Dominican. Since we're talking baseball, we want to bring up the uh, the death of Joe Pepitone. Yes, yeah. Well, Mickey all day. Uh, Joe Pepitone, 82 years old. Right. We all know him as a first baseman, but you know he did play a lot of outfield too. I think he even played center field for the Yankees a couple of times. Yes, he actually trained Don Mattingly from first base. Right, he didn't That's know a... that. But besides the Yankees, he was an Astro. The Cubs also. The Cubs. He played three yeah. or four years with the Cubs, and I don't remember a single year of him as a Cub. He and then did he had very well. Nineteen sixty-three. And if not for that, the Yankees would have won four games right after that. Baseball reference that comes. Say it again. What? What happened? 1963 World Series, Game Four. He lost the ball in the shirt and in, in the uh, white shirts. Right. The, and, the, uh, the first base. Lost the Yankees that uh, the last game, and the Red and the Dodgers swept. If that did not happen, oh, I have a feeling the Yankees would have won the next four games. Games. You hope the Yankees would have won the next four games. <laughs> the Yankees only scored one run in that last game on the and, Mickey's homer. Come Mickey on. Mantle's home run. Who hit home runs that game? Game four. Mickey Mantle. Who hit home runs that game? Game four. I think Frank Mantle. Howard hit one. Dodger and a Yankee. Well, who's the Dodger? Who's the Yankee? Playing for the uh, the Dodgers. Dodgers. But uh, going back to Joe Joe Pepitone, he played eight years for the Yankees and four with those other three teams. Retired in '73, a 12 year career, 219 homers. You know, we concentrated on more because we're all New Yorkers, so we we saw him uh, a lot, and he had. Uh, we, we know him as being, you know, always with the long hair when the short hair was in. And there was some criminality, uh, though. Remember the hairdryer? Yeah. He was yeah. one of the first alcohol. players to bring in a hairdryer. And Mickey and Roger looked at him like he was nuts. Yeah. He was a character. A character. He had, he had drug and alcohol problems. Yeah. Yes. He got, he got busted for DUI in the Midtown Tunnel. Right. Yeah. right. A couple misdemeanors for uh, drugs. Uh, and thinking... Served at Rikers for about four months, I think. All right. I just he, I just looked it up. And he was, was shot in the leg right? in high school. Right. Yeah. Stomach, right. I thought, Jeff. Didn't stomach he also leg. have to fight with Petroselli's brother? I think I recall that. I don't recall. I don't recall. But uh, he, he was never getting into the Hall of Fame, so all his bad things didn't uh, yeah. hurt his chances of moving forward. But I was no. actually friends with a girlfriend of his. 
Yeah. And she was madly in love with him, but, you know. May he rest in peace, Joe Pepitone. <clears throat> what was he? 82 he, years old. Yeah, I got he, his autograph. He batted a lot of times after Mantle. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember when Denny McLean almost hit him in the head with a ball. After That was the time that he let Mantle hit the home run. And oh, then yeah. after that, Pepitone told him to, to uh, free Bill Free and tell him to throw the pitch again, and McLean knocked him <laughs> down with it. <laughs> well, you guys, remember, you guys remember his uniform number? 25. 28? Yep. 25. 25. Oh, 25. 25. He, he, he was earning one year with the Yankees $100,000, and he had some financial problems. So he had an advisor, and he had $100 a week allowance on $100,000. Salary. Now, from us people here in New York, you know, a lot of people here are not from New York, but uh, I, I read this today. The Mets are having, I have to read this, the first ever called Amazing Day. Have mm -hmm. any of you heard this? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I read something. Citywide city celebration in, for anticipation of the 23 season. March 25th, they're having it. Which is day after your birthday. Day after my birthday. Unique yeah. events, giveaways across the city. Fans who wear Mets cap or Mets shirts or any Mets gear will be able to attend. Let's see. Limited tickets for events at Gotham Comedy Club, <laughs> Met Metropolitan Opera. Fans get free access to Brooklyn Museum, Metropolitan Museum of Art, Webster mm -hmm. Hall. I don't know what racket New York City is. What's racket New York City? Is that a tennis place? Sounds like pickleball. I don't know. Pickle free free Coca-Cola in restaurants, arenas, free Dunkin' gift cards given away. Wow. Well, there's more that I that I mentioned, but uh that's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's on a Saturday. Saturday the 25th. Amazing yeah. day. Joe. I just I'm wanted to say if you look on if you look on the bottom of the screen, it looks as if Howard and Jay are in the same room. Oh, yeah, look yeah, at that. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Jay, thanks for joining us today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good to see you, Jay, and all that thanks, stuff. Thanks for having yeah. me. Okay. So yeah. we didn't get to really any other sports or any other deaths. We can pick that up next week. But uh, why don't we yeah. uh, end the show with some trivia questions, just try to stump the panel, <clears> and then uh, see how well we do today. Milton, I see your hand. So one yeah, of you okay. Uh, this baseball player had a, played 11 seasons in the major leagues, over 1,100 games. He was in 1948, the Texas League MVP, 1949, the Pacific Coast League. Also played basketball, was a star in basketball as well as a baseball player with the New York Yankees. Once played against George Mikan and had to hold, grab Mikan by the shorts because he was short of Venom, but he played, he, um, he actually won three World Series with the New York Yankees between 1952 and 1956. All right. he, he, play, he played left field, first base, batted lefty and threw lefty, and I watched him play and saw him play with the Yankees. Woodling? No, Woodling, Joe Collins? No. He, he won three World Series with the Yankees. And um, Dale Long? Irv Noren is correct. 
Wow. Oh, Irvin. Uh, I was going to say that. Irvin Lauren. Remember him? Yeah. yeah. Right. Very good hitter. Fielder. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I don't have him. Okay. I'll write him down. Who else? Thank you. All right, Michael. Who hit seven home runs last year in spring training? Oh, you catch it. Call Higashioka. Higashioka, right? Yeah. Mm. Did he hit seven for the season? It's a great question, Howard. <laughs> Who else has a question? Anybody? Uh, how about this? Uh, where do the Mets play their pre? What's the name of the ballpark the Mets play their preseason ball in? Now? Clover. Right now. Oh, Clover. Clover. Clover Park. Oh, yeah. I've heard the name Park. mentioned. They always just say Port St. Lucie. That's it. But you meant Al Lang Field. Yeah. I've never been to St. Port. It used Saint to be Al Lang Field. They used to share yeah. with the Cardinals. Has yeah. anyone ever been to uh, Port St. Lucie? Yes. Um, oh, you said yes. Nice, yeah, I mean, nice. Not for a game. Yes. How we too. Not a means you're driving by game. on 95. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's up there. It's out of the way. It's a sleepy ride, though, from South Florida, from Boca. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't oh. Ira tell us a few weeks ago that uh, it's from uh, 20 minutes, uh, let's see, um, Jupiter to West Palm is like 15, 20 minutes. Then he's another half hour to Port St. Lucie. Didn't you see that? Right, I think right. Did. Yeah, it's about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about right. Not so far. Can you name for me? This is a tough one. The starting quarterbacks for the Oakland Las Vegas Raiders since 2000. I'll oh, check yeah, off the ones you Starting quarterback, Derek, Derek Carr. Okay. Yeah. That's from 2014 to 2022. How about right. the years prior? How about, how about John Hadle? No, no. You got no. John Hadle played in the 60s. <laughs> no, no, no. He was, there was uh, uh, Oh, was the MVP in 2003 or 2002? Um, uh, in 2004 and five, that, that quarterback was a quarterback also for the Giants. Initials KC. Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins, Collins was uh, for them. How about 2000 to 2003? Yeah. I think, um, I think this guy announces uh, a yeah. commentator. I can see him, but I can't get the name. What's the initials? R.G. Oh, uh, Gannon. Rich Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon. Who who won an MVP Uh, one of those years. Yeah. 2007, former Jet afterwards, of course. Chad Pennington? No. Initials J.M.C. 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 J. J. Middle initial M. Not M. Last name, MC. Mick. What? Mick. uh, Josh McCann. Oh, wow. How about that quarterback in 2008 and 2009? It turned to be a bust. I guess he was great in college. Oh, the the gambler? Initials JR. Oh, uh, Marcus Marcus Russell. Russell. Oh, Marcus Russell, yeah. You're forgetting. Probably the most famous one, I guess. I think he was USC 2011 2012. CP, what is it? Initial CP, not Chris Paul. 
Austin Palma. Oh, came up with Jason Campbell in 2010. Terrell Pryor. Remember Terrell Pryor? Vaguely. Yeah. 2013. Oh. And there was a guy named Andrew Walter. I don't remember that name at all. That was in 2006. All right. Nope. Any other questions? Yeah, Mark. What about April 6th? April 6th? It's the second night of Passover. You know that. Yeah. Oh, is that is that a day we have a show? No, no. Yeah, yeah, it's Thursday. Thursday. I shouldn't have interfered because wait, what's the second? Wait a second. Tuesday, Wednesday. Everybody, the first two days. Wait a second. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, right. no, no. Wednesday's the first night. Thursday, night, Thursday's, Thursday's, Thursday's the first day. So you wouldn't be able to have a. All right. So we'll, we'll have to reschedule during. We'll figure something out. Two days earlier. Like. Thank you for that. We'll, we have to reschedule right. the sixth. Good. Thank. Good heads up on that. All right, uh, yeah, Fred, yeah, got a question? Right. Two more yeah. minutes. What, what high school basketball player went to Flushing High School, high school all city, later had a successful career at University of North Carolina and then a successful college career coaching, among other places, Vanderbilt University? Huh. What's that? It's Fiedler? Not Fiedler. Uh, you're, cl you're very close. Uh, you're what's very it? close. Lefty. Aaron Lefty. Brown? No, Brown. no. Mark no, no, is very close. Mark said his name. He's almost had the, the, the right name, but he's uh, in the right area. A lefty god. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, You're very close with his last name, Mark. Who is it? Eddie Fogler. Fogler. Oh, Eddie Fogler. Eddie Fogler, yeah. I saw him play. He used yeah. to come to John Bound and beat us all the time. Yeah. We knew about him all city, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and he, uh, he did pretty good. Yeah, went on to a good coaching career too. Yeah, Vanderbilt, among other places. Van played in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Who else? Mike, what else? Michael has. Michael, okay. Get. okay. Name an all-time great high jumper who just died, and the name of his jump. Dick Fosbury in the flop. Fosbury flop. Fosbury flop. flop. Right. Fosbury flop. Right. Yeah, I have him in my notes. I would have talked about him, but I'm watching the time here. Yeah, a lot of a lot of depths in football this week. Yeah. Yeah. Get them next week. Yeah, we'll get them next week. All right, guys. I want to say goodbye. Okay. okay. Thank you for uh, for sharing our 150th uh, anniversary, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Milestone show. Great show. Mark, are we going to do anything special in six weeks for the third year anniversary? Well, it's <laughs> anniversary. And six special weeks, shirts. Right? Special shirts will be 156 made weeks, up. three years, right? Yeah, Fred, I'll, have, I'll play two songs for you, Fred. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> special right. shirts for the 200. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. If, if I live that long. But yeah, yeah, play now. one from 1975, Milton, because Thursday's my 48th wedding anniversary. From what, uh, what year? Uh, 1975. Uh, when when is that? Thursday is <laughs> my wedding anniversary. Okay. March of 1975. What was the big song on in, on March 16th in 1975, Milton? Okay. Na na hey hey, kiss him goodbye. <laughs> no, my, my, wife, my wife says she thinks it's it's the hustle. That was during the summer. That was like in June. Oh, that was June. I remember. Yeah, yeah, before that. 1975, March. March 16th. Yeah. What was the most? Have to dig through them, but um. Milton, you got a closing song for us. The rabbi has a closing prayer. Do you have a closing song for us? Uh, All right, guys. 